Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is the podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So today we are continuing our discussion about One Direction. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Um, As we mentioned in our last episode, we could do a whole podcast just about what happened with One Direction and where they are now. But we're gonna attempt to break some of that down today. We're mostly focusing on how the media portrayed this and how the media talked to them as a boy band and then as individuals in their solo careers. And we are very aware that One Direction has always talked very positively about their fan base, even though um, the media has always tried to get them to say mean things about the fangirls who love them so dearly. And so we thought that a good place to start this episode before we dive into like our own opinions on how things were handled and just our thoughts on interviews that they've done as solo artists. We thought it'd be nice to discuss with you guys some fans who filled out our survey asking what their thoughts were on whether or not the media handled the One Direction hiatus well. So Jenna, would you like to jump in? Because I know you had some thoughts on the responses that we got. Yeah, definitely. When their hiatus was announced, Zayn had already left the band a few months prior and they kind of like they put out the drag me down single and announced the album and then like two days later or something they also announced the hiatus right sarah yeah mm-hmm. it was like a and very like, quick six... no so yeah, yeah and it was it was the drag me down video then two days later they announced the hiatus and then exactly a month after the hiatus announcement they announced that they were releasing their final record on their contract so there was just a lot happening mm-hmm. already when they were trying to promote this album. So, um, Eliza, thank you for filling out our survey. I'm going to read something that you wrote for us. The press tour was marred with questions about both topics. She means um, the hiatus and like Zane leaving, um, almost eclipsing the talk of the album itself that was due to drop shortly after. Even without a tour lined up afterward, the album deserved to be spoken about, especially considering the vast percentage of songs that minimum a one, mem- one, one of the members had written, written on, if that made sense. At least one of the members had written each song on that album. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to that point, the album was kind of overlooked because of everything else that was happening. So it mm-hmm. didn't really get the the praise that, yeah, that it could have if this other stuff was not going on. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important. And I, like, touched on this briefly in the previous episode. But, like, when you watch the video interviews that they were doing, like, they still were just either getting the same dumb questions or, like, oh, like, why, what, why'd you decide to do the hiatus? And it's, like, you could already tell just from like concerts that the boys were trying to prove that they were more than just a boy band with like Niall bringing out his guitar and like all that sort of stuff and so the fact that this was a record that they all had like more like their hands were way deeper into the pot of like the creation of it and that they weren't asked about it or like allowed to really talk about it that much I think was a disservice to them as talented people and I think again, once we go into, like, interviews that they did afterwards, even though most of the interviewers, like, seem to take that, at least that 
we're going to be talking about seem to take the boys pretty seriously you can still tell that there's just like that boy band stigma of like do they really know what they're doing so some more quotes that we got clara i hope i'm saying your name right you made the point that a lot of the headlines were like one direction calls it quits rather than four young guys who have who have worked their asses off want a break um and so it's kind of like they were they were like basically the biggest boy band we've ever seen up at that point because we're not going to talk about bts that's another discussion um but at this point they were the biggest boy band in the world they were so massive they were a household name um i mean they have a number they've been doing this album before like the beatles did like they just were like so much more successful than their predecessors who people compare them to and it's just crazy and they had worked so hard for these five years. If you think just constantly, they did five albums, they did four tours, like they never had time off. Like they were working mm-hmm. insane amount. And it honestly just doesn't seem sustainable. Like that was never going to be sustainable. There was always going to be a break. Like they were never going to be one direction for their whole lives. Yeah. And then also one more quote from Marissa. Um, I don't think it got nearly enough attention. One of the biggest bands in the world taking a break during a peak in their careers should have launched an exploration into why they would make such a shocking choice and how the industry treats it, treats its artists. But instead it was just clips of girls crying and making fun of fans or being heartbroken. Yeah. And I mean, I, we talked about this when we were episode planning, but uh, again, like just from my work experience, like, unfortunately, the management and like PR teams and all that have like a way bigger stake in things than like the average music listener realizes. And so if a music journalist at the height of the hiatus had been like, yeah, I'm going to do a deep dive on why this is happening. Like they could have just been blacklisted from anything that those teams ever did ever again. And like, it's something that I think at some point in the next five years we'll probably have a documentary on like why this happened because it's necessary I think to discuss it because it seems like there is some shady business going about so I think that Marissa's point is really important and I think that it's really great that the fans noticed that that was something that wasn't discussed because I think that that means that at some point it will be able to actually be discussed yeah and i think what you just said also it's like media too they're like they don't take the fans seriously and yet like we know what's going on like we know management put them in these positions that's why we're having this conversation right now mm-hmm. and it's just like another instance of the fangirl stigma of downplaying like the opinions the all of that the smarts of the fangirls themselves yeah and i mean i think just going off this and sort of going into like how we were talking about how like Zane didn't really have time to like create his own image. I think that it's really clear that management had a lot of control over the guys because the second that Harry was on his own, like Harry became Harry. And like, it was so clear that like he wasn't really allowed to like discover himself while in the group because his shift from being like this teen boy who dressed like he was trying to be in an indie band to dressing like a 70s pop icon (laughs) and just like having all this personality and all like this charisma and all this stuff and I mean obviously it was clear before this that he had charisma and personality and all that stuff but he was really finally free and like allowed to shine and I've never it's never been so clear to me other than like Lance Bass having to hide the fact that he was gay the whole time he was in NSYNC that like management has so much control over you and like Harry becoming solo and getting away from modest management and like becoming his own thing and just being like look at me like this is who I am like this is what I love I just think that that's really sad but also really powerful that he kind of was just like hi (laughs) I'm here here's Kiwi yeah so I was thinking about this and I think it's important to note like the ages when One Direction started they were teenagers they were like between 15? the ages of like 16 and 16, 19 yeah. and they were in it for five years and that 
time period of your life from like your teenagers to your early twenties is like, you grow so much as a person, Mm -hmm. you're learning so much about yourself. You're interacting with others in the world. And they were in a very controlled environment. They were told exactly what to do, where to be, how to dress, how to act. They were given those character roles that we talked about also in the last episode. And so their identity as individuals for the longest time was one direction. So it's like when they broke up, I'm sorry, when they went on hiatus, um, (laughs) when One Direction finished its five album contract, they all had to take time to figure out who they were as individuals and what they wanted to do after that. Like if they wanted to make music and what their sound was. So that's definitely what we're going to dive into more in this episode. Yeah. And I think that it's like really clear that like it kind of messed with some of them more than others, because I think that like just opinion based, but like Niall and Harry have had the most like clear cut success from becoming solo, like other than Zane, but Niall clearly knew what he wanted to do. And Harry clearly knew what he wanted to do. And I feel like, at least in my opinion, like Liam was so like stuck in what one direction made him be which was like the fatherly figure of the group like the one that's in control this whole thing and like also going from being like the who they chose as like the front man like who their team chose to be the front man at the beginning and then harry like slowly outshining him honestly like throughout one direction's career and then i think that liam kind of had like an existential crisis because i mean for a while he just was like fuck boy on instagram (laughs) And then his music is fuckboy no. music. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, he definitely, I think he definitely had the hardest time out of anyone. I read quite a few interviews with him, both kind of interviews surrounding his 2019 release of LP1. Yeah. And he talked about like, he's kind of open now about talking about the fact that like he had to go to therapy. Like he was dealing with, he was drinking a lot before um, and like was depressed and like considered uh, like there's a quote from him. He made headlines for telling Aunt Middleton on the pair's Sky One show that the loneliness of fame had quote almost killed or almost nearly killed him. Um, And when Middleton asked Payne if he had ever wanted to act on those feelings, he said 100%. And so he clearly handled like fame and just everything in a very different way than like Niall, for example, who's very open in his interviews about how like he's pretty happy-go-lucky and people Mm -hmm. will bring that up in interviews. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of just how I am. And like, that's how my brain works. And I'm just happy to be here. And like, like very, very different ends of the spectrum of how they handled this. Um, But I think all of them, like... I don't think that Harry and Niall knew what they wanted to be doing. Like, I don't, I don't think that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It like there's interviews talking about Niall went backing with like, like his cousins or friends or something in Southeast Asia for a few months. I'm like, yeah. first of all, can you imagine backpacking in Southeast Asia and you just happen to be staying at the same hostel as Niall <laughs> Horan post One Direction? Like, what? I read that and I was tripping out. But number two, um, even Harry Styles, like them taking time off, figuring out who they are, and then just like not being around people as much of like that constant, the highs and lows of tour, the highs and lows of being that famous, being the biggest boy band in the world. When they go home, like who are they when they go home? And Harry's talked about in interviews of he kind of separates himself a bit of like his personal life and his work. And there's like kind of an air of mystery. And he's, he says like, I don't do it for the mystery. I do it for like my peace of mind of having that, like, I need to be someone outside of the limelight too. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. And I just meant that I felt like Harry and Niall knew more about like what they wanted to do mostly because I think that they're, I mean, I feel like, Louis knew if he was going to make solo music what he would make but I think that like Niall and Harry have always been like knew what music they liked and so they sort of knew what route they would take in that sense. There's been the conversation with Louis in multiple interviews about how like he at first was talking about maybe managing a girl group and then how he started a record label 
as like an offshoot of Psycho that like he didn't wind up doing anything with. But I mean, most fans know that Louis has like a very weird relationship with Psycho and like we, nobody knows what it is. I'm sure at some point he'll inform us. Um, But the thing that I just found that I found really interesting was that a producer, Jeff Basker, who worked with Harry Styles on his debut album said about Harry that, um, well, he said that like the album was like a very different from what he'd expected from him and that it made him realize that like Harry Styles in One Direction was like a quote digitized, like a kind of digitized Harry, almost like a character. I don't think people know a lot of the sides of him that are on this album. You put it on and people are like, wait, this is Harry Styles, which I think was a very large part of the conversation when Harry's first record came out. And I think that that's really interesting. And also something that I think we're all aware of that, like, we don't really know Harry, like we know what he gives us. And personally, as somebody who thinks that like social media is a bit exhausting and like how much, how accessible artists are nowadays can be hard for all of us because it's like, you're always waiting and hoping that they're going to tweet you or like DM you back or whatever the case is. And I think that Harry's like separation between Harry Styles, the musician and Harry Styles, the boy from Chester, England are like, is very like admirable and something that other artists should, I think, take in stride. Yeah, he's definitely, out of all of them, he's definitely come the farthest as far as expressing himself in his music, his clothes, fashion, all of that. Um, And I think you mentioned Niall also has like a very defined, now he has a very defined kind of like Mm -hmm. who he is outside of One Direction. So they are definitely the two best examples of that. Um, I'm I'm very partial to Harry, so I feel like my... (laughs) opinions kind of skew that way um well, I mean, but I could I can um read some quotes that we also got from our survey because they do talk touch on Harry yeah um so we asked we asked people um do you think they were not taken seriously as as seriously as uh, solo artists because of being in one direction and it seems like the consensus was at first definitely and I think now that Harry's on his second album um he's been able to be just Harry at this point yeah. and not Harry from One Direction. But I do have some quotes here. Um, Sabrina says, people were surprised to find out that Harry just now got his first number one with water, or billboard number one with uh, Watermelon Sugar, considering how big he seems to be. But she says he thinks he's extremely underrated and she's begged her friends to listen to Harry's music because he's, quote, not the same guy from One Direction. Yeah. And it people aren't realizing that until now um which like we've talked about the whole tiktok trend of like suddenly dudes have heard harry styles on tiktok and they're like oh harry's music is good and it's like yo harry's been good for a minute yeah but also the thing on top of that is like from discovering that harry's good now these boys who probably bullied most of us like when we were younger about loving one direction are now like revisiting one direction and being like oh this is good and it's like as Louis said, if it's a banger, he wrote it. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> of, of course there are like good One Direction songs because not at all times is it a room full of 40-year-old men just writing music. Sometimes it's like Louis and Harry. Sometimes it's Niall and Louis. Sometimes it's just Liam in a room writing a song. Like it's not, every single song is not just written by old men for a boy band. It's like these guys collaborated with each other. They wrote stuff themselves and then it turned into a collaboration. Like it was way more than just like a stereotypical boy band like factory when it came to One Direction, especially later on in their like timeline of albums and so it's just that weird scenario of people writing someone off because they were in a boy band or because at one point they created music specifically for girls like the narrative around Taylor Swift releasing folklore was also just like oh wow like Taylor Swift released an indie album and I'm like personally I'm not a huge fan of Taylor Swift but I'm like almost every Taylor Swift album has been like an emo record so I don't know where you've been like (laughs) It's like 
the second that somebody like quote unquote acceptable does a cover of a Taylor Swift song or like a cover of a One Direction song, then it's like, oh wow, this song's really good. And then you find out it's a cover of a Taylor Swift song, and you're like, oh, maybe what? I didn't say that. Oh my god. What? Yeah, it's judging people for being pop. Yeah. So here's another quote from Eliza. Um, Harry Styles' first album, self-titled, was obliterated by critics, seen as a boy band member who was poorly executing a solo career, purely based off the fact that he didn't release a radio-friendly pop record straight out of the gate, and because the narrative of him being the Justin Timberlake of the band was already woven. I think this is super interesting um, because it is true he kind of his first record is this very weird rock vintage who knows what and perfection is the word you're looking for Jenna. yes <laughs> thank you um no i'm a fan of it i'm not dissing harry no, but it's but not like, what I don't know people expected from like, him it's perfection that's the word you're okay <laughs> there we go um it's not what people uh expected of him especially as eliza said being compared to like the justin timberlake of the band um which i find I think wild. that kind of goes back to our whole thing yeah. well it goes back to our whole thing of just painting them as a pretty shiny candy pop boy band this is what you're gonna be even post even post band as a solo artist and harry's like no no i'm so much more than that yeah and like the thing that i find interesting and i think i slightly mentioned this in our one of our fangirl episodes is that like justin timberlake in my mind did that thing where he left a boy band and was like i'm gonna make a bunch of like i'm gonna tell the people who are writing my songs that i want my album to be proving to everybody that i that i can i can fuck i can get down and i feel like at no point and that's the other thing is like they like the media and people always were like harry styles is a womanizer and i'm like he's a teenage boy like i'm sorry i don't i've never understood like that narrative around harry it makes no sense to me because he's always just seemed like a pure wholesome child to me like my whole thing with harry styles was always like he must be protected at all costs like he's too good for this world but like Zane and Liam especially towards the end with like of their thing with Liam like Liam was trying to be sexy and like Zane's whole thing when he left was like oh a mysterious bad boy I'm whatever like they both to me spark more of a Justin Timberlake narrative than Harry Styles ever did and so the fact that the media was trying to weave Harry Styles into like the Justin Timberlake and I guess they're just using that because Justin was the one who like successfully went solo but still I'm just like it just belittles what Harry is and it feels like these people never ever understood him which is like they were around for five years like there were interviews like Harry talked about music he liked and stuff that he was interested in and it's just it's so clear that they just never listened and so it's just that again the whole thing of like the media being like we've decided a narrative for you this is how we're going to talk to you this is how we're going to talk about you and having that understanding and I just think it's really interesting because when you do read interviews with these certain artists like with these four members like the way that the interviewers talk to each of them is very different except for Rob Sheffield from Rolling Stone magazine but Rob has always been like a fan of One Direction he's never been ashamed of it he's always just been like there's nothing wrong with liking something that might not be created specifically for me but when you read like he did the most recent cover story with Harry and then he also did um the Louis Tomlinson like first interview about walls and just like the way that he converses with them and like he does bring up One Direction but he brings up One Direction in a way that's like very respectful of the fact that they were in the band and he'll like he, like when he's talking to Louie he like acknowledges that like Louie wrote No, no Control which is like a freaking great One Direction song and he acknowledges that it's kind of like a pop rock song compared to other stuff and so he's acknowledging their skill set compared to how other interviewers are just kind of like trying to get something out of them or like just continuously using the narrative of like this was their persona when they were in the band and so it's just a really interesting like juxtaposition of how people talk to them and like how they're perceived with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. It's also interesting now that we are five years down the road from that. Um, mm-hmm. Because so like Liam only put out his first record in 2019 and Harry's now on his second record. And I think Harry now people are really starting to pay attention to him. The media is paying attention to him and giving him a serious fighting chance. And Niall's also on his second record as well this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And the interviews I read with Niall, they're much, 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 much more considerate of who these people are as individuals. Um, Kind of that self-exploration period and talking to them like on a deeper level. And, And part of it, Part of it is the boy band thing. I think part of it is they were so young. Part of it is they were so groomed by management and the fact that they were always interviewed together. There's never like one-on-one, One Direction interviews. Um, And part of that is because they're an entity. They're not individuals. Um, And now that they are doing their solo things, they have a chance to be this. And I mean, there's like the Zane Lowe video interview with Harry Styles. It's like very in-depth and they talk about everything. They talk about One Direction. They talk about his new stuff and the Rolling Stone stuff as well. Like I think now they're finally starting to be taken seriously as individuals. Well, I think also it's a lot easier for people who might not have been fans of One Direction or cared that much to separate them once they're on their second album cycle, which means that they've done at least like four press tour cycles. So they know them as humans more than as members of a boy band. So I think that that also has uh, like, like is part of why it's easier now to like read an interview that's like not doesn't make you roll your eyes as often or like watch an interview wherever the case is I mean Niall especially throughout like the first like three months of like coronavirus lockdown like he was doing press all the time and you could just tell like I mean he's always had like a very laid-back like persona around press but you could just tell how comfortable he is within himself and his music and he'll just talk and chat and like every interviewer seems like they're his best friend and it's just like it's it it shows how like incredible of a person Niall is but just also how much he's like they know me like they know who I am now but I think the the thing that frustrated me going back and like rereading a lot of these interviews like comparing like 2017 interviews from like when they first started releasing solo stuff to like 2020 like late 2019 interviews is that they're still asking these guys like oh like you still talk to the boys of one direction and they don't even do it where like it makes sense they'll just like fully make that like a portion of the interview because a few of these interviews are written in like the Q&A style rather than like a feature style and it's like they took the time out to be like I'm going to fully 180 this conversation and we're going to talk about one direction and I don't think like I think that there's a way to fit the question in, in a way of like, oh, like you maybe released a single and around when like your old boy band may like release a single, like do you guys still catch up? Like how was, like, what was that like? Like there's a way to do it that's not clearly being like, oh, I'm just talking to you because I want One Direction information. It's honestly ludicrous. Five years down the road, they're still being asked, do you talk to the other boys? What's the beef? Like they're still trying to make this a thing and it's just not a thing and it doesn't need to be talked about anymore and to our point of like you can have friends you can be doing something that was like a very 
like distinct period of your life and build those friendships. And years down the road, you're not in that period of your life anymore, but that doesn't mean they're not your friends. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like, just cause you don't talk every day doesn't mean like you said that they won't be there for you when you need them. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's, they're really just like the media is just pushing this like but what about one direction and it's like come on like they have their own lives now like it's okay that they don't talk to each other every single day like it's okay they maybe even yeah. haven't seen each other in person in years but that doesn't discredit anything that they did together and i think the four of them have all said multiple times that like they still respect each other respect yeah. what each other's doing so like I mean, it's, so yeah, it still stands. I mean, I just think, yeah, it's, it's tired. It's a tired question. We need to move beyond this. Well, the thing that I really enjoyed, so the more you guys listen to this, the more you will know that um, even though I outwardly read as a Harry Styles number one fan, I am actually a diehard Louis Tomlinson fan. <laughs> Um, he, he, he means everything to my whole life. He did it. He did like a string of interviews, uh, promoting walls like in February. So like literally like he was pumped up for tour. So like pre, pre Corona, but he talked to the independent, which is like a British newspaper online media outlet. And the thing, the two things that really struck me from the interview was that number one, the way that the interviewer talks about him. So like, this is written in like a feature story way, not in a Q and a way. Um, she talks about him like he's a like a true artist and not as if he's like a boy band member although like later on she does men like she mentions One Direction like it's not ignored but she just like acknowledges like his taste in music and like how he's e like easy to talk to and like him as a person like she just talks about him in that way but the thing and the thing that just showed to me again, like how different interviewers handle things very differently is like, she asked like, oh, like, do you, are you still talking to the boys? And he just kind of completely skims over Zane. Like he is like, oh yeah, like I talked to like Liam on the phone recently, like Niall and I text, like Harry texted me like a couple weeks ago when like my first single came out or something along those lines. But he just like skims over Zane and she doesn't push it. And I think that that's really important because there are going to be interviewers like that asshole from GQ in 2013 who are going to be like, what do you, why, why, why'd you not mention Zane? Like what, what's going on there? Like, and I just don't think it's really that necessary um, to bring up, but I think that it's just really cool that even though this is Louis's first real big like press tour, because it's his first full length album that he's released, since the hiatus like started in 2016 i think that it's really incredible that like he in almost all these interviews is like given the chance to just be louis even though like obviously they still have to use a decent amount of one direction stuff because there haven't been a ton of interviews but i mean the sad the sad thing is is when they do talk about one direction it feels like liam and louis both were kind of like the band i wasn't ready for the band to end like I mm -hmm. was not prepared for it. I finally felt like we were hitting our stride because they were letting us like have more input and do all these things. And it's just, it's really hard to read that as somebody who is a fan and who could tell that they were exhausted, but that they felt like they should have continued, like that some of them felt like there might've been need to continue or like maybe they don't feel like a whole person without it. But I think anything that is so big, such a big part of like formative years of your life once it goes away you kind of feel empty and I mean it's just I've never been in a boy mm -hmm. band but I mean <laughs> I lived in like I lived in England for my formative years like I went to university there and like every day I feel like there's a part of me missing because I'm not a British person but that's like how my brain functions <laughs> and so it's just like this weird thing where you read something that has nothing to do with you and I'm like oh I get what you're saying I totally understand what you mean <laughs> So I think it's important, like in this interview you're talking about with Louis, he also talks about um, kind of his confidence as like a boy band member over the years. And mm -hmm. like he said, the initial 18 months were hard as he struggled to see his value in the band. And he yeah. says he would wonder what's the difference, um, what, the, what the difference would be if I was there or not, um, which like emo heart hurts, like I know. sad. 
about Louis saying that. But then he goes on to talk about how through songwriting, he found his place and his confidence. And he was writing credits on 37 One Direction songs more than anyone else in the band. And he says, quote, that's something I'm really fucking proud of. Now I can say I make a difference. That fact is incredible. I mean, to be honest, I did not know this uh, earlier, but like that just goes to show how they never talked about this when they were yeah, one direction as, as a band like they didn't take them seriously about, like that growth yeah that growth like being able to do that and now that they're solo like he's having this interview about actually you as a songwriter louis as a songwriter yeah. and so it's just it's just that really interesting like juxtaposition of how for five whole years they just never were like what's the writing process like for you guys like what's this what's that and I'm just like I don't I don't get it like I just don't understand how there was never an interviewer who was like I'm gonna try and get real information out of them like it just it just hurts me especially because like they were friends with like some of these interviewers like Nick Grimshaw and stuff like that and I feel like even then like when they would go on the radio and have these things it was still trying to be like who are you dating what are you doing and it's like dude ask them who wrote girl almighty like i want facts <laughs> i don't want this like dumb stuff that doesn't affect me because i'm in america and i'm never gonna get to date louis tomlinson like shut up yeah yeah um i think it's also interesting like comparing these like more recent interviews to the 2019 interviews with Liam Payne and his billboard, the billboard interview 2019 for LP1. He says going from being a soft pop rock band, which I am a questionable description. <laughs> um, and also the weight of One Direction success on top of you and working with a new team and label. It was difficult to know if people were all right with me moving into the hip hop lane with this new single, Strip That Down. Uh, let him loose a little bit and push the boundaries as much as he could I think he's just like like it just seems like this and his LP1 he's just like pandering he just like doesn't know what he's doing and it took him through they talk about how like it took him three years to do this and it feels like he's lost it feels like he doesn't know what he's doing with that one direction he's trying to find his sound and I mean yeah of course like of course there's a period of trying to find your sound and like not knowing what the next thing is but he feels lost more than the others yeah and I mean and that's a thing that has always struck me with like Liam is that like it just felt like I was fully expecting to wake up one day with like some Lindsay Lohan-esque headline of like ex-boy band star completely loses it at a nightclub punches someone in the face like that just felt like the path that Liam was going down with all of his like weird thirst trap Instagram posts and then starting to date Cheryl and like all of those things it just felt like he was spiraling and trying to figure out who he was in a way that like wasn't good for himself and I feel like in most of these interviews he admits that like even when he like got interviewed by Attitude magazine in like what like 2015 so like right after like not even they were still in a boy band like he was talking about like how he was drinking a lot because he knew that this was coming and like all this stuff and it's like he's just never had great coping mechanisms but again when Mm -hmm. you start being in a boy band at such a young age and he had wanted it for so long like this wasn't the first time that he was on x factor and like the year before i think it was the year before maybe two years before he was like 14 and like made it to the judges houses so like he's known for a while that like he wanted to be a singer yeah and i think that like when you're in a boy band and again like they create this persona for you and you kind of grow out of it because he did like he wasn't like, at the beginning, like, he very much was just, like, this very, like, straight-laced boy, but, like, you could tell as he was getting older, like, he didn't fit into the management persona he was given, and, like, yeah. they didn't let him escape it. Like, they weren't, like, okay, you can, like, it be something else. They were just, like, no, th- this is what we want you to do, and so I feel like when that happens, like, when you leave there's bound to be a situation like he's in where he just seems really lost and seems like okay well I like listening to hip-hop so that's what I'm gonna do when like maybe that's not really what like the road he should be taking I mean I'm not I'm not like a specialist on this sort of thing and I don't know Liam and I mean I like strip that down but like LP1 got 
lambasted by critics and I mean I listened to it and I think I might have laughed a few times because it just felt like he was doing that Justin Timberlake thing and not in a good way like the whole like yeah I have sex like there's literally a, a song that like fans are mad about because he was like talking about like hooking up with like a bisexual girl and like how that could mean like he would get a threesome and then there was like another song about like him having sex in the backseat of a car which like could either have been about sex in the backseat of a car or like sex in the backseat of a car if you know what I mean Um, (laughs) and so it's just like this really weird thing because like I like I worry about him and I don't I don't know him but like you just like read these interviews and stuff and like it's not even how these people are talking to him but it's just knowing that he would rather like it just seems like journalists who get to speak with him know that he would rather talk about his time in one direction than talk about what he's doing right now like that always seems like what's happening sarah what were you saying about him doing a live show the other day oh yeah so he it it was a second one so he twice has done like and this is honestly incredible and i'm very impressed with him is because he he's given like multiple live production people who are have been out of a job for months the opportunity to make some money and do something cool but he has done two live show performances that fans can buy tickets for and it's like he's performing to an empty venue i think in london somewhere and he's doing all these songs and i don't i i don't know what the first one was but in the most recent one he like he released the set list for the show like early and on the set list was the one direction song what a feeling which was on made in the am which means it was never performed live and so he solo performed that song live like for fans and i mean fans on tiktok were like losing their minds about the fact that this was going to happen and then on twitter afterwards like the video was going around and all these people were like oh my god like this is so incredible and all that and so i mean he knows what one direction fans want and he's i think he's finally sort of realizing that like he doesn't have to be this like sexualized person i think like i think he's had a lot of inner thinking while being in a quarantine pandemic a pain being in the like living through a pandemic it sounds it seems like he's just like had a lot of thought about what's going on and he's like okay my fans don't like what I'm doing I need to sort of change it a bit at least in my opinion I feel like people are gonna get really mad at me about everything I'm saying about Liam I'm really sorry I think he's still trying to figure himself out. But I think he and has this- time. He's talented. He's smart. He cares about his fans. Like, I think that if it takes him, like, another album to figure out what he's doing, I don't think anyone's going to go anywhere. Yeah. So, speaking of another album, um, so Niall, I did listen to Niall's most recent album, which, like, honestly... I've said this, I pretty much only pay attention to Harry these days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his, that one, the new one. Um, and he, cause I've just thought he was like doing country stuff and like he was for a while, mm-hmm. but this album, like when I read the interview with him might be the independent, mm-hmm. I think, cause it's a 2020, it was like about his album. Um, he they're talking about like oh here it is they're talking about his like his new music is inspired by Fleetwood Mac but also the kooks he's a diehard Shania Twain fan and she returns the compliment um and recently okay blah 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 so he's talking about how he's kind of leaning more this like indie rock vibe Mm -hmm. he's like all right I'll give this record a fair chance um and and it it is like he is he is going a bit more of that indie rocker thing, which I think is cool, but it's yeah. still a very polished, very pop version of that. But well, it's, it's, kind it's of nice like to see he's discovering himself as a as a solo artist. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that is kind of in the same vein. So you guys will have heard my music meltdown on Wednesday about my my opinions and my love for Louis Tomlinson. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think it's in the same vein of that, like... Niall was doing some like his first album was something that he was like this is this is like how I'm going to show what I'm doing and then after that I can like focus more on making music of similar to what I listen to um and 
I think that he created kind of like a Britpop indie album with like the, his uh, sophomore album. And I feel like that's in the similar vein of like Louis's album, which is like very Britpop leaning towards indie. And so I just, I like that they're all kind of just like, we're British, we're just gonna own it. <laughs> they, mm, I'll argue with you on the Britpop point, but they tried. <laughs> No, that's what I'm saying. They're trying. They're like not reaching it, yeah. but they're like, we're gonna do this as best we can while like still not going full on 90s. <laughs> yeah, I think so. On there, also, there's like this them wanting to live up to this, like the fame of One Direction. Like, are they good enough as solo artists? And yeah. then um, the other half of that is has left my brain. So there's that one point for you. No, but I think that that's really true. Is like you, ha- they're trying to live up to it. And I think that in a lot of interviews with Louie, he was talking about how he wasn't even sure if he was going to make solo music yeah. and how he felt like this push to do that song with Steve Aoki because he just was like, oh, everybody else is releasing stuff. Like I'm not going to pass up the opportunity to work with like this really incredible man. Um, and so I just think that it's really interesting um it seems like so i think my point was it seems like they were all scared to release music individually yeah and i think we talk about this with louis but like to a degree to different degrees they're scared to release things that is so different from one direction music because they think their fans won't follow them which is just completely not true because if you're a diehard fan you will follow them no matter what um but like like we talked with harry like he did not come out with some pop bangers like i mean they're pop bangers in his own way but like not what the media expected of him and same with louis tomlinson we talk about how we want an absolute brit pop like punk rock record from louis tomlinson and it's very pop leaning and i think they're too they're they're scared about going too far away from just being pop artists um that they'll be rejected in some way not live up to one direction's name yeah and i think like the one the one member that really got the most flack about all this like in even just like in these interviews um once going solo and stuff is like louis got a lot of flack especially for being somebody who acknowledged that he felt like he was like understated in the band and like didn't really know where he stood but like in his first solo interview which was with the guardian in 2017 like the article literally starts with being like oh like there are always like one there's always one member of like a boy band who comes out on top and then there'll be other ones that like undershine them but like eventually like go somewhere and like the 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 journalist like in this wrote um that Louis was ranked last in any serious analysis, the most fitfully appreciated member of One Direction. Oh, sorry, hold on, that didn't make any sense. So, like, Louis was always, like, rated last, is what they were saying, and they were saying, here is a combatant you might expect to find curled up in a foxhole on the battlefield, pale and chain-smoking, and wondering how much he really wanted in on such an unequal fight. And, like, it's just like that's a very unfair narrative of him especially because like the as the band grew like louis voice was not super strong we started again something i mentioned in the music meltdown on wednesday but like he his ability to work with um harmonies and then his songwriting ability and then later on as his voice got stronger his like his solos and the songs were ones that always stood out because his voice is very different like it stands out from the rest of the band and not in a mm-hmm. bad way and just like a very specific to him kind of way that I think is really necessary in boy bands to have voices that can stand out and so I just feel like the narrative around him when they first started was always like oh like he's the runt of the litter and I don't think that that was fair and I might be biased because he's my favorite, but like, it's just, it's just crazy that like he fully just was like, he didn't think about having a solo career and was like, oh, like maybe like he wound up do, like being a judge on X Factor for a little while and like doing all these other things and like making all these other plans. And then finally it was like, you know what, I'm going to work on my album and I'm going to make something that makes me happy. And he did. We love Louie. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just like 
It's just an interesting take. And I just feel like, again, we could talk about this band for hours because there's so much conversation about them in media and like their fans are a whole other breed of people. And, but like, not in a bad way, like just how much they care is just like incredible. And like Louis says it best again, like in this independent thing, Yeah. like they, he thinks that they're going to write books about One Direction fans because they're so fanatical and the intensity is remarkable. And he, and he just like talks about how, he understands how it can be hard for the fans to like fully understand that they're people outside of being in one direction and so I feel like that understanding of like the fandom from the artists themselves is like really incredible so speaking of fans in our episode next Sunday we're actually speaking to three one Direction experts, super fans of the band who have been around for quite some time. And we're very excited about this conversation just to get viewpoints that are from people who don't necessarily have like Jenna and mine and my experience like working within the music industry. And so just to hear from people who were just fans and like at and at no point like knew really how things work other than what they've done research on themselves I think is going to be a really interesting conversation and I think you guys are gonna really really enjoy it so tune in next week for part three of our One Direction conversation and then come back in two months when we talk about them again because this is never going to stop (laughs) okay Jenna it's your turn to give us the band of the week in 30 seconds or less are you ready yeah, wait, let me get my timer up. Okay. Okay. Count me down. Ready? Three, two, one, go. All right. This week, I would like to present to you a band called American Teeth. We've been talking a lot about pop punk recently. Um, and this is kind of like a new age, another new age pop punk artist. We got some big emo anthems. Um, the singer is Elijah Noel, who's done some solo stuff. And he's working with his producer, Doc Britton. They're just really fun, emo, like pull out the black eyeliner and yell with all your friends music. Wow, that sounds really good. You're really good at selling artists, whereas every time I do this, I'm just like a cluster of like, they're my favorite. I love them. Listen. (laughs) I love it. We hope that you enjoy this. I hope that you don't hate me for being kind of rude about Liam Payne, but I mean, I'm just worried about that poor soft boy who does not know he is a soft boy. Um. If you have thoughts, opinions, you want to fight us, you want to uh, also take our survey so we can do more future episodes about One Direction, you can come tweet at us at Sarah underscore Fagan and at Jenna underscore Million. We also have a Twitter account for our name three songs, which is at name three songs. So let's talk. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been name three songs until next time. Never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And you're never too cool to listen to Harry Styles. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. It really helps. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we've referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.